What's up, buds? The Boston Bruins now turn it over. A two-on-one. Canoble coming with Ward. Canoble with a chip. Backhander loose. They score! They score! They score! It's over! Ward on a rebound! Good morning! Good afternoon! And good night, Boston! The King is dead! There will be a new Stanley Cup champion! The Capitals are still dancing! Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young. And today, uh, we are reuniting a couple of people that, well, I guess, Adam, you're a co-host, so it's not really reuniting. You're just kind of expected to be here. But uh, Corey Snyder's back on the podcast. Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back on. Nice. And uh, Adam, how are, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I am uh, just hanging out here. My dad's actually in town, hanging out with the granddaughter, so... Uh... That, that's everything's good. It's it's uh, certainly nice to see family uh, with everything going on, kind of globally. Nice, yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a nice situation. There you go. And I'm I'm doing well too here in uh, Columbus for the next, I guess, two months is probably is about right. Uh, before quite a bit of news that uh, I will uh, break at some point later. Uh, all right, so. Corey, um, I guess I want to start, uh, we were going to start Caps, but then Evgeny Malkin is now on the IR, and I want to ask about that. So, Malkin, obviously, this year was, I think it's fair to say, inconsistent at best, but what does that loss do to the Penguins? Yeah, I feel like they go through this kind of stuff every year, just it seems like they have three or four or five key players missing, and they end up, like, top three in the division regardless. But Malkin was having kind of an interesting year. He's been way more of a passer in recent seasons. And, like, one of the things that I was looking at in the offseason is just how exactly – what it like, what's the difference between playing with Sidney Crosby and what's the difference between playing with Evgeny Malkin? And uh, one of the things I noticed is, like, Malkin is very good about getting the puck to you in space and kind of creating a lot of – like – Crosby will set up chances for you on a tee, whereas with Malkin, you kind of have to create your own chances. You kind of have to get into the zone on your own. Like That's why players like Brian Rust and Jake Gensel have worked so well with him. So I'm kind of curious to see how they fill that hole there. Last time I checked on Daily Faceoff, they had Evan Rodriguez playing 2C, who I didn't even know he played center. So I'm kind of interested. I don't really <laughs> I didn't know, know that either, so this will be interesting. Yeah, I don't know if that's correct or accurate, but I know Teddy Bluger is out too. He is also a center, but I don't know. Pittsburgh just, this, this happens every year with them. They always have like, like I said, they have six guys out and then some no name player will have like 12 points in seven games for them. While, while all the other guys are dealing with injuries and they're in top three in the division. It's kind of what happened this year too. Like they got off to a really, really rocky start. And I think they're on a, they're on a winning streak right now. I don't know for sure though. But, like, Kapanen is starting to fit in there. Um, I know Jared McCann is injured, too, but he was kind of starting to hit his stride a little bit. So, yeah. So, yeah, I I don't see. I don't know. I mean, they still have Crosby, and I think Crosby was playing uh, probably his best. Pro, Crosby was playing probably at his best level in a couple of years. So I think they're going to be fine. I just – it really depends on what happens come playoff time for them. Yeah, yeah, and – uh 
We'll, we'll, we'll get on another team that it seems like is maybe on the other side of the playoff bubble uh, after after the break, but uh, it's going to be interesting. So I guess Adam, um, I'm going to I'm going to lead. Uh, we're going to we're going to transition to the Washington Capitals because this is a Washington Capitals podcast, a phrase that I have said on basically every podcast. Um, so I guess, Adam, let's kind of like. It's it's been a it's been a been a bit since we chatted. Uh, what kind of where are you at right now on how the Caps are playing? Uh, I think they've been playing pretty well. It's hard not to be encouraged by how they've looked recently. Uh, granted, they played some teams that aren't very good. Uh, well, may, well, one right, they played Buffalo and they they curb stomped them. And then after a very sh- shaky first period against the Islanders, I thought looked great. Um, Ovi, I thought, had a good game. Uh, he went ahead of Phil Esposito, which was great to see as he continues kind of his climb towards Gretzky. Um, and, and just generally speaking, I thought the Capitals played really well in, in the second period, especially against the Islanders, um, which was really their first game in a while that um, I was more interested to see how they did from a how do they stack up against good teams perspective. Uh, the Flyers have had some struggles recently, and the Capitals have played them. And the Islanders had been on, a, I believe, a nine-game win streak heading into that game. And, uh, I mean, I really thought the Capitals hung with them, and that was the team that eliminated them from the playoffs last year. So, um, you know, right now everything's pretty encouraging with Washington, and, and Ovi's hot right now, which he hasn't, he really wasn't for the first, uh, I don't know, m- month, month and a half of the year. So, uh, I don't know. All things uh, go for the Caps. Yeah, and uh, Corey, so I know that you – you tracked a recent Caps Islanders game, and I'm guessing kind of looked pretty in depth in it. Uh, I guess I, I, we could start broad and then maybe go to the Islanders game in in a sec. But kind of what what have been your impressions about the Caps so far recently? Well, I mean, to me, they look as they always kind of cruise in the regular season, and this year doesn't look any different. At least the past month or so, like the first like the first few games of the year, I wasn't really too sure about them because like. Philly beat them in that weird game, that weird Sunday game where they scored seven goals. I think Scott Lawton had a hat trick. Pittsburgh kind of took care of them early in the season, but the last the, the last month or so, I think they've kind of hit their stride a little bit. They've talked about on the broadcast on how the team is a little more comfortable, like with the system now, knowing where to be, especially with defending, like in the neutral zone, because they're pretty aggressive with defending there. One thing I will say is that they kind of have a problem with letting teams back into games, like against the Devils last week, that game was in hand, and then boom, it's 4-4 in the third period. After a few few cross-ups, Philadelphia kind of made it an interesting game after the Caps had a Caps had a, like two or three goal lead on them. So that's the only thing I'm a little concerned about. Like they can curb stomp the easy teams like Buffalo, but like Philadelphia, like they're better than the they're better than the Flyers, but. They kind of let them back into the game because Philadelphia does have the talent to kind of burn you if you do if you do ease back a little. But I was pretty impressed with what I saw against the Islanders, especially because they beat them kind of at their own game. The Islanders, like, they're a frustrating team to play against just because of how well they defend and how well they just and how they just kind of don't let you have the puck. Like even in the in the defensive zone, like just notice how much the Islanders have. Just how, just notice, like, when teams are forechecking the Islanders, how little they have the puck, and it's just the Islanders kind of playing keep away against them. The Caps didn't really let that happen, and they're kind of, they actually did that more to the, they actually did that more to them 
when they had a chance to kind of play on offense a little bit. So I was pretty impressed. They played really well defensively, didn't allow many chances at all in that game, which has been pretty consistent all year. There have been a lot of games where they've been just like, there haven't been a lot of games where they've been like kind of blown away on like the shot and chance counter. So the only thing I'm a little concerned about is just the offense is a little, the offense from like a shot and chance generation standpoint is a little low, at least for Washington standards. Like I'm just so used to them being near the best in the league when it comes to generating offense. And it's kind of in the middle now, even if they are winning games. So like, I think they're doing fine. They're good. It's just like, there's obvious red flags, but I, I kind of feel that way about most teams in the league now, especially with this weird schedule. Like I've kind of lost my, I kind of just have a warped idea of what makes a team good and bad now, if that makes any <laughs> sense, just because it's like, there are some teams that just have other teams numbers. It's like the Kings have, I think the Kings have swept the Blues this year. Yes. Like, in, like <laughs> they blew with, them out last yeah. night, if I remember correctly. Well, it's like Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has beaten everybody. When they play Florida, they have not played the Panthers well at all, and that's something that's just happened. Sure. And, like, Carolina, like, just because I watch them the most, like, they – like they play almost everybody well, but when they play Tampa, it's it's a struggle every single time. Yes. And like, granted, it's Tampa Bay, but still, like, top two team in the division. Like, some of those games yeah. have been very, very, very compelling watches. I think too. Yeah, especially from, especially just from like an adjustment standpoint. Like, I've been following the Abs a lot this year, and I've kind of noticed like on the second game. Uh, like on the second game where the Avs play, it's it's always a little tougher for them because I guess teams kind of figure out how to not let them run all over them like they do in the first half <laughs> of back to back. So it, that's been interesting to watch if they have that home and home series. Yeah, I, and I, I guess I, w- I want to follow up with with you on something because I'm, I'm kind of curious because uh, you've watched Laviolette now in a few stops. You talk about the Caps offense kind of being down in terms of a generation standpoint. And I've, I've noticed the same kind of things when you look at the numbers and also, frankly, watch the games a little bit too. Um, I guess, how much do you attribute that to the Caps being a year older and maybe not kind of having the speed that they used to? Or how much you, versus, I guess, how much do you kind of attribute that to Laviolette being the coach? It uh, might be a little of both. Like, they kind of have, like, with the stats I track, it's, they do kind of have a weird profile because there's a very distinct separation between the shooters and the passers on the team. If that makes any sense. Yes. Like if you go to some of the charts they made on Tableau, uh, like on the left side of the chart, you'll see the shooters. It's like Ovechkin, Vrana, Hathaway, Ponick. And on the right side, you'll have the passers like, Will, like Backstrom, Oshie, Wilson is there too. Nick Dowd, Eller. So that's been kind of interesting to see. That sort of carries over from what I saw in Nashville because, uh, like, Ryan Johansson was a huge distributor there. He didn't really shoot the puck at all. They fed the point a lot there, though, in Nashville. They don't do it as much in Washington. But the shots in general have just been down, which has been kind of interesting to kind of been interesting to see. So, I don't know. I feel like they – I just feel like they don't have as much – if they have a sustained possession in the offensive zone, they're not as, like – they're not as, like, gung-ho to just get everything on net that they can, which is a little different from – a little different from Lafayette stays in Nashville. Like they're a little more selective with their offense. They've also they've also been leading in a lot of the games that I have tracked, so that's also worth taking into account. Like they haven't been trying to kind of push like blow teams out of the building in the third period if they're leading. Sure, sure. And then uh 
Because I, I, I have uh, actually a different Devils game in mind where the Caps actually were down most of the game and then came back late with a with a pretty big surge. So I guess um, I want to kind of focus in on the Islanders, and then uh, I have a couple of Caps player-specific questions for Corey. But I guess I, I want to zero in on the third period because, Adam, we've talked a lot about the Caps and leads, and the Caps not playing particularly well and uh, doing some hardcore turtling when they have leads. What do you think it was about the third period that seemed to really lock things down when the Caps had a lead? To me, they just forechecked a lot. Oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> we're we're going to do Adam and then Corey. I, want, I, I do want to hear your opinion on this. Corey, it's totally good. Cause I'm I got into a rhythm there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go for it. No, you know what? You, you're, Corey, you're in. You're in. Yeah. Adam, Adam, yeah. pitch in after Corey. No, okay, that's fine. Go for it, Corey. Oh, yeah, but, like, from what I saw in that game, they just forechecked a lot better. Like, they didn't always disrupt the Islanders coming out of the zone. Like, the Islanders were still able to kind of get out of their own zone, but once they got to the once they got to the blue line, they had to chip the puck in. And, like, that's, that's a game the Islanders are comfortable playing with if they're winning, but if they're trailing in games, they do have kind of – they do have some problems getting back into it just because it's, it's a tough way to play. They can't really – Especially without Anders Lee, and they also benched Barzal in that game, so they got a, they have a few rookies that aren't really used to playing the same way that some of their veterans are when it comes to like the chip and chase type of game. But but what was inter- what's been interesting to me about the how Washington has played is uh, really really just that, just because I'm I'm so used to the Caps being just a rush based team, like that's kind of how they really that's how they get any offense at all. Whereas this year, they've been doing a lot more off the forecheck, even if it's not always a dangerous chance. And they did really good in that game when it came to – just when it came to, like, slowing down the Islanders and not just not letting them get any speed. And uh, and Adam, uh, I guess kind of – I don't know. To me, I'm, I'm curious about – I mean, one, it seemed like Samsonov was really, really strong in the first and that the Caps – Maybe didn't maybe didn't have their legs, but I'm kind of curious. Like, what, what were your overall thoughts on the uh, on the Islanders game? Well, I mean, obviously it's a big win for the Caps. I mean, I said it was kind of uh, an important benchmark for them. I feel like they've been playing semi mediocre teams for a while uh, in the division, and it was nice to see them play well after again a, a pretty shaky first period against the Islanders. Uh, I think what Corey said, kind of in the third period, I hadn't really thought about before, is that you know. Do teams that are trailing rely heavily on their offensive talent to get back in the games? And, I, you know, generally I think that's a yes, right? The Capitals used to always be one of those teams that was so good while behind because they relied on Ovechkin and Backstrom and, and their other offensive weapons. And do the Islanders really have those weapons? Um, especially, I mean, my first thought is no. Second thought is they definitely don't have it if Barzell's being sat for some miscue he made in the second period or whenever he did that led to Barry Trotz benching him. So I I, I, I think that's just something to think about with the Isles is as we kind of again think about their offensive talent and maybe how it's a bit lacking compared to the Stanley Cup winners we've seen over the last, uh, I don't know, decade or so, really. Um, They're a very well-coached team. But, yeah, and Corey, I guess I'm kind of curious too. I obviously now add Anders Lee onto, onto that equation as well. Yeah, what was weird to what was very weird to me was just uh, how New Jersey was able to kind of break the Caps trap a little bit, whereas the Islanders just looked totally lost when it came to really breaking when it came to entering the zone. Like, 
Um, I don't know if that's just an adjustment the cast made or what, because I noticed there was this weird play. There was a couple of these weird plays. Like Dylan would drift over to Carlson's side of the ice a lot to kind of flood to kind of flood the neutral zone to force New Jersey to dump the puck in, and they got burned through the middle at least twice that way. I think I think it was Jensen or somebody that did this too. Whereas the against the Islanders, they looked totally disciplined. They didn't really there wasn't anybody trying to cover for anybody. Everybody kind of just did their job and was comfortable doing their job. So that was kind of the that was probably what I was most impressed with, just because they looked a little out of sorts when it came to defending against against New Jersey, whereas like against the Islanders, they looked like they looked pretty much in control of that game, even if it was even if it was like uh, I cannot remember if the Islanders made it three to two, but I think it was I think it was three to one. No, three one. Yeah, yeah, 3-1. yeah. Yeah, it was a closer game, but still, like, I was pretty impressed with just how they defended and stayed disciplined. But that just might be the speed element, too, because, like, New Jersey is not a good team, but they're fast. Whereas the Islanders, they don't really have that speed, and the guys that they are, the guys that do have, the guys that do have that element are pretty young, or fourth liners, so that's yeah. <laughs> another thing. Best fourth line in hockey, I guess. But, uh, um, all yeah. right, so... I want to I want to ask about the opposite of a fourth line player, uh, in the sense that uh, I think in years past you would not say Evgeny Kuznetsov is someone that could ever really fit on a fourth line defensive role, and I, I don't think you could say that this year. But I guess Corey, like I mean, we've read the numbers at Jaber's rank a number of times. We we've, we've talked about Kuznetsov. I just wrote about him today. His numbers across the board are stellar this year so far. I guess I'm, I'm kind of curious. Is there something you're seeing in Kuznetsov that is behind this? Do you think it's still – are we still in small sample size land? I guess kind of kind of what are your thoughts uh, on Kuznetsov? It's it's really, really confusing to me. The only <laughs> thing I really noticed with him is uh, – uh, the only thing I really noticed with him is that his offense is really down this year, and even the big plays that he usually makes are down. Because the last time I was on, I was said he was some – the thing I always said about him is he's a guy who can take a nap for like three fourths of the game and still win it for you just because of when he is engaged and when he is awake, like the plays that he does make are just very, very hard to defend. Whereas this year he does not have a lot of offense, like at least in my tracking, like he just has not been creating as much at all, which is very weird for him. But when it comes to like, when it comes to like exiting the zone, he's one of their best forwards. He's not turning the puck over at all, which is pretty uncharacteristic of him because he is kind of a high wire act usually. But he's making really efficient plays, which is pretty. It's pretty typical across the board for the Caps, at least as far as their forwards go, which might be why they're playing a lot better defensively this year. Because um, the last couple of years, when it comes to exiting the zone, they relied a lot on their defense to make longer passes out, whereas this year the forwards are helping out a lot more. And their forwards are not turning the puck over that much. So I think Kuznetsov has kind of bought into that, and it's helped a lot as far as, like, his overall numbers. But the lack of offense is a little weird. Like, that's just not really like him at all. But he does have a lot of – he has a lot of, like, secondary and tertiary assists, like, as part of a cycle or, like, a little quick play in the neutral zone. But still, that's – it's not it's not really standard for what I'm used to him. So I think maybe he's just embraced being more of a support player than a guy who has to drive his line, which could be it. But it's something I'm kind of trying to figure out. Really, ever since you sent me, like, one of the things you sent me in the agenda was, like, what's going on with Kuznetsov? And I was like, I don't know. What is going on with him? And I looked at his numbers. <laughs> then I looked at his numbers. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah. it's just very, 
it's just very different for him, but maybe it's a good thing. Like, he's still not, like, he's not really somebody that's going to, like, wreak havoc on the four check or anything. He's going to win by, he's going to win by effectively, like, by being effective in transition and being a, and being a playmaker. And he's doing that so far just in a really different way than what he usually does. Cause it's re- it used to be really feast or fan with them. And now it's more of just kind of conservative. Yeah. And I guess Adam, I'm, I'm kind of curious to, it, it seems like, I mean, we talk about like, has Kuznetsov bought in the Laviolette system or not? And I think like, that's still kind of an open question, but I think what's, what's also interesting to me with Kuznetsov is, I mean, at least defensively, he's been, and the numbers are what they are. It's, it's, it, and what's interesting, too, is it, it's kind of reflective on the Caps, I think, being better defensively this year. So, I don't know, do you kind of, do you kind of see what I'm saying here about Kuznetsov maybe being emblematic of some bigger changes on the Caps? Or do you think that maybe we're just, is something else going on with Kuznetsov? Uh, you know, I think we talked before about guys that maybe really bought into the kind of changeover. Um, maybe that was when we were on with JP or with Rob. And it was Kuznetsov was a guy that stood out to me, right? He's a guy who has been maligned for his defensive ability year over year, uh, especially recently since the Cup run. Um, in in some part due to Kuznetsov's own commentary about his play and how he doesn't want to be the best guy in the world because he'd have to work really hard. And um, you know, then there was the comment in the last month or so about having never been coached before and how to take a face off and. You know, all, all that sort of wonderful Kuznetsov anecdotes, but he's a guy that he's been better this year. I, I mean, I know that we can talk about his offensive zone deployment, how he starts a, kind of a, a really large percentage of his shifts in the offensive zone and how he hasn't seen the ice a lot when the Caps are leading. Um, but he's been steady. You know, he, he hasn't been, as kind of Corey alluded to, he used to be a feast or famine type player and at least – to my eyes, again, not with the numbers in front of me, he's been steady Eddie. He's not producing a lot, right? I'm not like loving what he's, what I'm getting from him in terms of points, but I mean, I'm not seeing a lot of big mistakes out of Kuznetsov either. Um, he, he's just been good. I, I don't know if he's, he certainly doesn't look like he did when he arguably was the Capitals best player. If not, and if not that their second best player during their cup run, um, but he, in my mind, I mean, I don't really know how anyone could call him a liability this year to the Caps. I mean, yeah. and, and, and I think it's a good thing for the team moving forward to have him doing what he's doing for them right now. Um, and, and he certainly is a solid enough contributor to, to be a part of this team if they're able to continue to have success, uh, for the remainder of the regular season and more importantly in the playoffs. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna transition to uh, the the other major position on an NHL team. Uh, it was a terrible transition, but Corey, I remember last time, right after I turned off the uh, the recording, you asked me. Well, I'm I'm surprised you didn't ask me about John Carlson, and uh, I am gonna now ask you about John Carlson. I like the points seem to be there this year with John Carlson, as as they seemingly always are, uh, at least lately, but. I mean, you look at kind of the, the underlying numbers. They're not great. Uh, you know, I think you can maybe say Brendan Dillon might have a bit of a responsibility with that. Uh, I'm not hinting at anything, because why would I do that? But I guess I'm kind of curious. Like, I, it seems like at least last year in the Norris debate with Carlson, there was this kind of, well, points versus actually being a good defenseman. And, I, you know, it seemed like that kind of played out. And uh, obviously Yossi won so, the Norris. So... 
Do you kind of see a similar kind of pattern this year, or do you think there's something different under the hood going on with Carlson? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure, just because his off- he's a guy who's going to live and die by what he does on offense, and it just doesn't – the offense isn't, like, as high as it usually is. He's not shooting the puck as much. He's not He's not making as many plays in the offensive zone either. Like, like I feel like kind of one of the underrated things about Carlson's game is just how he's – just how he shoots for deflections a lot and how he can pass the puck into the slot from the point. Like, that's not really an easy thing to do as a defenseman. Whereas this year, it's not really happening as much, at least not in volume. And that's kind of a team-wide thing with Washington, though. So I've been... I'm not entirely sure what is going on as as far as that goes. It might just be a system change and all that. But that's also... But, like I said, it like it's a team-wide thing, too, just because... I'm looking at their numbers now, and their defense is not shooting. The, their defense is not shooting as much on the whole either. So Carlson might just be part of that, a byproduct of that too. But I don't know. He's always going to get his points from being on the power play, and I think he's got a decent amount of points at even strength too, despite not being involved in much chance in scoring chance contribution, at least as far as like a defenseman goes. So kind of a weird. So definitely kind of a weird season for him so far. I'm never really sure what to make make of it because, like, when I watch the Caps, like, it's pretty much like I pretty much I feel like he's the same player as he was last year. Yeah, or he has been like his whole career. Really, he's going to be a guy. He's going to be a guy with a big shot from the point, move the puck out of his zone efficiently, and he's going to get burned on the rush like ever ever so often. <laughs> but this year, uh, but this year hasn't really changed. Hasn't really changed much at all. Him and D- although I am looking at some of the numbers now, and uh, him and Dylan have kind of been getting burned as far as like entry defense goes. Like that's not NB all or anything, but most of Washington, ha- most of Washington's blue line has been pretty good about being aggressive and being aggressive. And when they do allow, and when they do allow the other team to carry the puck in, they either prevent the pass or kind of shut the play off at the wall. And it's been pretty steady across the board, except Carlson and Dylan, and that might just be the matchups they get. I noticed that they're playing more tough matchups this year. I know that used to be Orloff and Niskanen that got that assignment, so maybe that's maybe it's just that. So yeah, it's and and Adam, I'm going to contrast this with uh, a player that I love talking about on Twitter, and I have kind of a recurring bit about. Uh, Dmitry Orlov, and because uh, routinely it seems like, at least in the first couple of periods, he is always well above uh, water in terms of shot share and actually increasingly like, goal share, too. So I, I, it, it seems, at least me, Adam, that it's kind of an interesting comparison with the Dmitry Orlov and John Carlson in the sense that Carlson's going to rack up the points, but at times I kind of wonder Dmitry Orlov's impact both defensively and kind of generating offensive chances, at least kind of in terms of skating with the puck through the neutral zone, it seems like he's uh, he's been pretty solid, particularly since coming back from uh, the COVID list, no? Uh, I think he's looked good. I mean, I'm very happy to uh, watch him play. I mean, I, I haven't seen it. Sorry, I'm laughing at, like, I think it's Corey's dog squeaker toy, and it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I thought that might be Stella. No, it's totally okay. No, it's good background noise, actually. Yeah. <laughs> she does not like it when I'm talking to people for some reason. It's fine. Uh, all of our animals are just used to having everybody home, focused on them all the time during this uh, pandemic. And, uh, you know, Orlov's done a good job staying at home on defense. I mean, I, I think he's playing. Wow, look at that. Nicely <laughs> nice. done. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> <laughs> he, 
been good and reliable in his own end. Um, and he scored some kind of meaningful goals recently, too, as well. Uh, I'm sure Greg can give us the play-by-play on, on his greatest highlights over the last couple of weeks. But um, j- without giving any specifics, I-, I-, I think Orlov has made some highlight plays, and I think it's uh, kind of been obvious what he's been contributing to the team. Um, he, you know, Orlov's always been a guy that I- I've held in high regards. Um, I think back to kind of his first development camp with the Capitals, and he laid two huge hip checks on, on other unexpected prospects, kind of like the one he did on Matt Duchesne just a few years later mm-hmm. when he was in Washington. And uh, it, it's nice to kind of see him at the level that, you know, I, I've always kind of expected him to be at, which is, you know, solid top four defender. Um, you know, there are people out there that think that he's going to be kind of an level. And, and I just don't think that's necessarily realistic for Orlov, but a solid top four with the ability to be a, a, a solid top two is, is certainly within his wheelhouse. And I, and I think that's largely what we've seen from him over this last stretch of play and, and really throughout the majority of the last few seasons. Yeah, and uh, I, guess, I guess, Corey, you've kind of talked, uh, and it was something that caught your caught, caught my ear, as you were saying how basically all of the Caps, non-Carlson and Dylan defensemen have done a good job of kind of preventing zone entries and at least disrupting and getting kind of turning the play around the other way too. So I guess I'm kind of curious, like, is there any one player, couple of players do you think in particular that have been driving that? Uh, Orlov aside, it seems like a lot of people have been talking about Jensen this year too. Yeah. Jensen's been very, really good. And Chara, obviously like that's just been his, that's been his MO for as long as I can remember. Like the funny thing about Chara is he's not that aggressive. No, he's not. Defending the, <laughs> defending the zone. He just, he's just kind of constantly in the way just because of how big he is. <laughs> but like, uh, Jensen's done a really good job of kind of being a compliment to Chara just from Chara's lack of mobility and he can only cover so much space in the neutral zone. So I noticed that Jensen's had to kind of play center field on rushes sometimes. Like he'll be in the middle. Sometimes he'll be on Chara's side of the ice and he's done a nice job with that. And what's interesting is like Jensen's been probably their, at least by the data I track, he's been probably arguably their best defenseman, at least when it comes to not turning the puck over, getting out of the zone efficiently, preventing entries and providing offense. So he's had a really nice like a really nice, quietly good season. I gotta ask, like, how the hell does Dimitri Orlov not even have an assist this year? Like, that's like how he does has that his first one now. He got it. Uh, oh boy, I'm blanking on the game, but yeah. he, he's one of the games the board, against Philly, I think. Was, oh, I, I was yeah. wondering if it was the Buffalo. I didn't watch the Buffalo I'm game because Greg didn't yell at you and tell you to, you know, put some respect on his name. Yeah. Well, how, still, how does he have like a pitcher's scoring line? <laughs> Well, it's strange. It is strange. Uh, I know I mean, he. Yeah. Yeah. Still, just with how aggressive he is, I figured he get like he would have at least a point from like a deflection or something. But he does kind of. He has been sort of like the Caps don't. The one thing that's different from Nashville that's the big thing that's different from Nashville, like as far as like the Labula transition goes, is that they don't really have a Yossi type on the team, like a defenseman who's just going to kind of do everything with the puck. Orloff might be the closest thing they have to that. So, I don't know, maybe... So, I don't know, that's kind of... In, I just kind of realized that now. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is good. This is, we, we're fostering a, uh intellectual climate on Jay Bridgeshank Radio, which is really, really all you can ask. Um, I guess, uh, Adam, um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you and then I'll have Corey pitch in here, and then we'll take a quick break. Uh I have basically Ken Ovechkin catch Gretzky, and uh that's been in the news maybe a little bit lately because Ovechkin's back to being pretty hot and scoring goals again. So uh I guess I it seems maybe unlikely, but it I I don't know. Do you do you think he's still maybe in the ballpark for it? I'm just a shot. I mean, it's uh, it's actually encouraging when you go and look at uh, what the NHL put out today, uh, and today's Thursday, of the kind of uh, goal-scoring trends over time. And it's obvious kind of if you look at the slope of the lines, Ovechkin is scoring at a steeper pace than what we saw from Gretzky at this point. And Ovechkin's been relatively durable throughout his career. So I think the real thing is going to be how long is he willing to continue to play in kind of the NHL before going back to Russia? And if he is willing to stay until he's, you know, Yager aged, when Yager stopped playing over here, I think he's going to get it. Um, the the real question will be how much does Ovechkin want it? If Ovechkin, like if this is the, the kind of crown jewel of his career now, I mean, he got the cup, which we all know he wanted so badly. If he now just wants to get past Gretzky, he can do it. I just think he's going to have to stay over. And I think he might also have to take a bit of a discount uh, if he's going to stay in Washington to do it because the team has to be able to at least put out one solid power play unit to get him like 20 to 30 goals a year uh, to make sure he can kind of get to that that level. I, I mean, it's he's he's in striking range, and, and although he started this year very slow, this last hot stretch makes me a bit more confident that he can do it. Because it's not just been from a high shooting percentage. He's been creating a lot of chances. I mean, he's undressed a few guys over these last couple games. Yeah, and I mean, I guess Corey, you know, I, I'm curious to think, you know, if you think you can catch him. But also, I mean, it is kind of remarkable. You watch a lot of NHL players, and you watch a lot of 35 and older NHL players. How difficult is what Ovechkin's doing? How difficult is it, you know, kind of given his age and kind of where he's at on the development curve? I mean, it's impressive because he kind of, he, like, he's known for his one trick, but he still finds a lot of different ways to kind of score goals. Like, it's like how, I mean, it's like I I watched Joe Thornton in Toronto this year, and, like, he's still the same player at 42, but he's not going to have, like, another, he's not going to have another, like, 80-point season or a 60-assist season left in him just because the legs aren't there. Whereas, like, Ovechkin is, like, at 35, like, he can still move. He's not slow by any means. Just still impressive to me. The only problem with, like, catching Gretzky is that there's a lot of kind of things going against him as far as the world goes. Like, there's only a 56-game season this year, 48-game season during the lockout. And... I don't know, just because he'd have to play until he's, like, 45, maybe, to catch him, I think. <laughs> like, that's still a lot. Like, I just looked at how many goals, like, he's off by. I'm like, oh, that's that's still a lot. He's 35 years old. But, I don't know, he's adjusted to the game well. Like, like he entered the league when power plays were, when they are handing out power plays like Kennedy, and he's found a way to be a pretty good even-strength goal scorer over the years, too. And he's found a way to kind of just create chances out of nothing, <laughs> like, like, against the Flyers, like, somebody put a pass, like, 10 feet behind him, and he still settled it down and beat uh, and beat Elliott. Like, that, like, I don't know how he did that. Like, that was a terrible <laughs> pass, and he just turned it into a rifle. He just rifled it past Elliott like it was yes. nothing. So, I don't, I don't know. I think he can, like, I think it's realistic, but it's going to be tough just because of the amount of goals he needs and just how many 
the the seasons keep getting cut short. So I think that's kind of the main thing going against them. And well, I, 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 sorry, go ahead, Adam. Uh, I think we'll get we'll get eighty two games next year. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> well, still, like he needs what three hundred and sixty goals no. at least. No way. Like how how many goals? Are, I, I don't know the exact. I think it's number like one sixty or something, yeah, if it, I remember it's right. Like half that. It's it's not it's not it's not Hang on a second. You said eight seventeen and or eight eighteen or sorry seventeen. Oh, oh, here's the problem. They yeah, I was like looking up Wayne Gretzky goal total and like it includes his WHA years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's not he's not that far back. Okay, yeah. Oh, he's a lot closer than I thought. Like, yeah, don't trust Google for anything. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He he only needs what like it's like one eighty or something. I think less than two hundred goals. I mean. He could he could do it for sure. I mean, if he plays another eight years in the league, which oh. would, I don't even think oh. he needs that many. Oh wait, eight ninety four. That's it. Holy, yeah. He, he's not yeah, there. Yeah, he's got seven eighteen now. So let's see. Yeah, he. Yeah, actually, I say it back what I say what I said. He's he's probably gonna get that record. <laughs> <Am I> kidding? <laughs> well, like when I saw it was over a thousand, I was like, uh, I don't know about that, but. But, like, that was just Google putting all of his, like, that was all of Wayne Gretzky's goals, like, including his WHA years, so, which don't count toward it, towards your NHL goal total, obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, if we counted goals in Russia with that, too, you know, it would be yeah. interesting to see how that would go. I mean, we probably should if we're going by that, if we're going by both standards, we definitely should. <laughs> Well, let me let me ask you a simpler question. Well, I don't, not a simpler question, but uh, yes, yes or no, Corey? Alex Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer in NHL history. Yes, the best I've ever seen. Okay. And I just did a project where I watched where I watched a bunch of '70s and '80s hockey games, and like, I mean, I'll, I mean, that was the first time I ever watched Wayne Gretzky, but still, just I don't know, just with like where defense and goaltending is now compared to back then, like it's really it's it's totally different really yeah. you mentioned that bill esposito in kind of his congratulatory video to ovechkin mentioned something similar about kind of uh he didn't mention goalies but he talked about shot blocking how that just was not a thing really. yeah yeah it's like especially when gretzky entered the league there was so much of the game there wasn't really time to block there wasn't really a chance to block shots because it was end-to-end constantly yeah, well, I mean, guys could score shooting from the half boards, so I mean, that was <laughs> with probably also like very a minimal defensive time. disruption too. Famous. Yeah, I mean, what was the average shooting percentage? I mean, this is a whole thing we could talk about this for hours, but it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, Ovi's the best, hands down. Yep, agreed. All right. Yeah, uh, I got no problem saying that, honestly. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, this is. Uh, this is the kind of content we crave here on Japers Rink and uh, the kind of takes that we like. All right. Well, with that, we're going to take a quick break. And then on the other side, uh, Adam is going to take over my job hosting. And uh, we're going to talk about the Philadelphia Flyers, which I cannot wait to do. And uh, we're also going to talk about uh, some uh, NHL awards that we're, uh, that we're thinking about. So uh, stay tuned. All right. Welcome back from the break. Uh, Greg has given me the honor of putting the hosting hat on my head. Uh, mainly so that we can talk some transitions. And we wanted to talk a bit about the Flyers and how kind of they need to transition out of their devastating loss to the New York Rangers on Wednesday night, getting blown out nine to nothing. Um, And uh, as Rob Parker pointed out on Twitter, giving uh, Mika Zibanejad another game to think about fondly instead of his, what was it, five-goal game against the Caps last year. 
So, Greg, what are your thoughts on the Flyers? How are they going to bounce back from this disaster of a performance? So, I guess when we talk about the Flyers, uh, that was a historically bad game. They, uh, I, I, it's hard to say exactly what went wrong in any one thing because really they stopped playing defense around like halfway through the second period when the Rangers got seven goals against them, which is, uh, Remarkable, just seven goals in any game just to score it is rare. To have it in one period is uh, kind of bizarre. And uh, I I think what was interesting, too, about the Flyers specifically is that they, um, they, they at least from a shot share standpoint, they haven't looked good for basically the entire season. And uh, it comes actually both kind of in terms of generation and suppression. So I think the easy thing just to say it's Matt Niskanen and that losing him unexpectedly wasn't great. But it seems like there's been a lot of players there that have taken a step back. And on top of that, you have the fact that their franchise goalie can't make a save right now. So, I mean, from a cap standpoint, this is really helpful because we were saying, okay, you know, it was going to be one of the, you know, Caps, Flyers, or Caps, Flyers, Bruins, and Penguins, and then then the Islanders come and are really good, and you're like, okay, well, this is going to be a challenge because there's just, there's one more team, and one of these teams is going to miss, and uh, from the Caps standpoint, the Flyers not looking very good, really, for, for basically the whole year is really helpful because I think they are now, like, 12 points up pending tonight's result, and that's, uh, that's really helpful, so... Yeah, they're 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 a bit of a mess right now, and uh, I don't know if there's a ton of super easy solutions for them. Well, I mean, everyone wants there to be a magic bullet that they can use to fix all their ails. Uh, Corey, you've kind of got a good view on, on this sort of stuff. I mean, you're watching a lot of these teams' games. What has dropped off with the Flyers? I mean, they're a team that a lot of people were picking to um, kind of sneak up and, and, and dominate this division. I mean, they had, the Bruins were obviously always the favorite, but the Flyers, by a lot of people, were held to be the second-best team, uh, in no small part kind of due to what they did in the round-robin uh, games last year prior to the playoffs. Yeah, the old trope of the Flyers is they're an incredibly average team. They just take a very extreme route to get there, and I feel like this is like – I feel like the first half of the year has kind of been that, <laughs> and I'm kind of just waiting for them to sort of go on a tear in this – in the second half, but there's a lot of, there's just a lot of problems there. Carter Hart is kind of, he just looks like in his own head right now. He's had at least two weeks of really bad games. Elliot's had to start a lot and Elliot is not a starter. So that's, that's a huge problem. Like if it wants to get Carter Hart fixed, I think, I think they're going to be okay. I just don't know if it's going to be enough for them to get back into the playoffs. And they just, like, they don't have anybody that can play with Provorov right now. It's a huge problem. And Provorov's had a really tough season, like, as far as, like, from pretty much all aspects, except maybe a little offense. But they have really one line that's doing their, that's doing most of their scoring right now. Most of it's coming off the rush. Their four checks not really as effective as it was last year. Like, down, like, if you go down their lineup last year, they just, they dominated kind of shots and expected goals by being really good on the forecheck, getting the puck back, creating plays from behind the net. This year, that's not there. They're creating a lot more off the rush. It really, a lot of it is from that. A lot of it's from their, uh, a lot of, I can't remember which line it is, but it's Van Riemsdyk and Fairview that are creating most of their chances. I think Couturier centers that line. Yeah. But that's, that's been getting, that's been creating most of their offense. Jeru's had a really interesting season. Because, like, going by impact, Giroux's having a very good 
very good year, like in terms of offense and defensive impact. It's just from a volume standpoint, he's not creating as much. It's just the one the shots he is creating are all like high danger shots, like from behind the goal line across the slot. He's very he's been very good at doing that. It's just that that's the only offense that line is creating, and it's very I don't know. Eventually, I feel like that eventually catches up to teams because there haven't been a lot of there have not been a lot of teams that can that can live and die by live and die with their only offense just being high danger chances and not doing anything else, especially if you're not getting saves like they are right now. But their defense is just an absolute mess. Like they don't have any consistent pairs whatsoever. Like Philip Myers has been scratched a few times. Their their third pair has just been a total. It's been just a total merry-go-round. Gossip Bear has been in and out of the lineup. He's gone from a top pair defenseman to, I mean, he is like he is playing with Provorov some nights to being a healthy scratch the others. And I feel like if that's your setup, that's going to be a problem. Like if you're <laughs> if the guy who is if the guy who is anchoring your top pair is also getting a healthy scratch, I feel like that's an issue, which is what's <laughs> going on right there right now. But it's like they're I don't know. That's a pretty deep team. I feel like they're going to figure it out. I just think it's going to be too little, too late. Probably fair. All right, Adam, shall we shall we enter awards watch? Yeah, let's do that real quick here, guys. I mean, we're we're, we're we've been on the on the phone here for a while. Let, let, let's let's break through. Let's talk a little bit of trophies. Um, I, I I know Greg wants to kind of talk about. I mean, he might have Dmitry Orlov up for the Norris for all I know. <laughs> but but let, I let's do not. Start, Don't worry. Let's start first with the Hart Trophy, Corey. Who do you got to go into? <sighs> yeah, I feel like I'm going to show my bias of which teams I've been watching the most here. <laughs> so, like, I feel like the best player I've watched this year is probably McKinnon, just how he is taking over games every time he's on the ice out there. I think he's going to get – I don't think he's going to win it, though, just because he's been injured a little bit. But, I mean, I I feel like I, – I think Matthews has been really good, too, just – just because of how ridiculous he's been as a goal scorer this year, and he's been killing penalties and stuff too. So I feel like that's going to help him. And I wouldn't have a problem with McDavid winning it just because he looks like he did three years ago this year, and he's doing it without Dreisaitl kind of – well, until the last few games, he's been doing it without Dreisaitl attached to his hip. So I'd be okay with any of those three. Although, like, I've seen some interesting picks out there, but I'm sure we'll get into that later. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I I think I saw somewhere that had, like, Joel Erickson as being, like, a heart trophy, and I was like, all right. That was something I wanted to dive into, though, just because it's like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe there's more than meets the eye there, but I I haven't watched Minnesota that carefully to really say what exactly is going on there that's making him have such great numbers, but it's, it's interesting to dive into. Yeah, I mean, I've got a little bit of wild that I've that I've been watching, but they're uh, I think they're they're a bit of a puzzle still. I think I'm tr- still trying to figure them out as well. But for for me, I think it's Connor McDavid. I mean, he the numbers that uh, I I don't have these exactly in front of me, but the numbers of how the Oilers do when Connor McDavid is on the ice and off the ice is uh, really really remarkable because and really and this has been true for three plus years, but now it's I think. This year, you've seen the defense a little bit come come with McDavid too, at least in the sense that he's not getting giving up huge amounts of high danger chances each night. But I like the the Oilers Oilers when he's playing are basically like one of the best teams in hockey, and when they're not, he they're like I won't say Buffalo Sabers bad, but they're they're really bad. So I think that 
at least to me, when I think of a Hart Trophy, that's kind of the, the thought that comes to mind. Obviously, points-wise, he's right there, too. Uh, the, his impact on their power play is just obscene. So I think for me, I, you know, Matthews has been great this year, and uh, the Leafs are still going to win the North, I think, by a pretty safe margin when it's all said and done. But just I can't imagine where the Oilers would be without Connor McDavid. Yeah, that's... Vesna, Greg, who you got? Uh, I guess it's either Fleury or Vasilevsky, and uh, give me the narrative. I like Mark Andre Fleury. You know the uh, the going between uh, his was that his agent that had uh, the the I think it was Walsh that tw- that tweeted the photo of uh, DeBoer stabbing him in the back or oh something like that. God. I might I might have that order of operations mixed up, but. I, I mean, he's been phenomenal this year. Vegas is going to, I think, win that division pretty handily, partially because of the injuries to the Avalanche. But I mean, he's been great, and uh, it's really hard to – it's it's really impressive because this is, like, maybe the third career renaissance that he's had. And uh, it's been it's been really something to watch. And uh, I'm glad he's doing it out west and not in Pittsburgh. Yeah, for sure. It's nice that he's not in the division anymore. Corey, uh, I, I think Greg kind of already highlighted the two most probable winners at this point in time. I mean – Conventionally, and both using a goal stage above average, those two guys have been exceptional. But do you have an off-the-board pick that you like, or is it one of those two guys? I I mean, I wouldn't call Connor Hellebuck an off-the-board pick, but I don't know. He's always, I watch a lot of Jets games, and like what he does every night there behind that absolute dumpster fire of a defense is still just impressive to me every night. But I don't know if he has the numbers to really win the award, though. Like Vasilevsky, I, I mean, I, I'd be okay with Vasilevsky winning too, just because whenever I watch the Lightning, he's just like he's a statue. It's like there's like just absolute chaos going on in front of him. He doesn't even move, and he'll make every single save. Like it's absolutely insane. Like, I don't like he's just kind of on. He's just zoned in to another level this year. But I, I, I so I'd probably go with him. Very reasonable. Yeah, I like it. Let's talk uh, Norris, Greg. Who you got? Um, you know, I, I, I've actually watched a little bit of, uh, of, of, uh, the Avalanche and, uh, I mean, Sam Gerrard has been excellent this year and that's kind of the, that would be a little bit of an off the board pick. Uh, it seems like Jeff Petrie and, uh, and Victor Hedman are kind of the two that are, that are in the clubhouse right now. And, uh, I guess for me, I mean, Victor Hedman's been so good for so long and, uh, you know, I, I, the shot share stuff for him has been pretty good this year, but I, I think just kind of. With Norris, it seems like he kind of look a little at like you know the last like few years, and Hedman's just been so good that I it's hard for me to really argue that he's he's not been at least maybe one of the best players in all of hockey, if not definitely one of the best defensemen. Yeah, agreed. That makes sense to me. Uh, Jack Adams, who do you got, Corey? Oh, you're going to uh, skip over Corey for the Norris. Oh, did I skip you already, Corey for the Norris? Yeah, <laughs> I guess uh, I guess you can talk Norris if you want. Yeah, the Norris is a tough one for me because I know McAvoy is the kind of the stats pick this year, just from just from like an overall impact standpoint, which I'm totally like I'd be fine with him winning, but I don't know. There's a lot of guys like I had in mind. Like I think Kale McCarr has been the best defenseman I've watched this year, but it's kind of sep- it's kind of hard to separate what he does from like the other talent on that team with Gerard and McKinnon and everybody else on that top line. But, like, from an individual standpoint, I've been really impressed with Miro Heiskanen this year. I don't think he's going to win the award, though. I feel like he kind of does the most on his own, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think that makes Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I mean, yeah. With, I, I feel like he does the most with the least help, but 
I so I'm gonna go with him as my off the board pick. Although I mean I think there's a lot of guys I had in mind this year just because I watched so much and there's a lot of just names that kind of just bounce into my head. Like I'd be happy with like Aaron Eckblad winning too, for instance. Hedman, like I thought Hedman should have won last year despite Yossi's stats, but this year Hedman, I feel like he's kind of been on autopilot this year. If this makes any <laughs> sense. Yes, no, he definitely has been. Like, he's not like he's not kind of he hasn't been carrying the load for that lightning defense. If that makes any sense, if it's it's been more of a group effort, which is totally fine. And I feel like they've just kind of been coasting through the year in Tampa anyway. Like we're gonna see like we're gonna see like the real Victor heading into playoffs. Whereas like right now, like right now, kind of like McDonough, Sir, McDonough, Chernak, Sergeyev are kind of getting a, are getting a lot more of like they're accumulating more stats there and kind of playing more minutes, like just because that's kind of what it is for Tampa Bay right now. They can just coast to the regular season. So yeah, there like I said, there's a lot of names I have in mind there. But Hayskin and Ekblad, McAvoy, McCarr, those probably all those guys. Yeah, I know I didn't pick one. I kind of just <laughs> danced around the question. Let's say a bunch of good players. Uh, yeah, obviously, McCarr has been hurt. Heis- recently, I'll go with so. Heiskanen. Yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. All right. I like it. Corey, back to you, Jack Adams. I mean, I want to say Dean Evison just because I thought the Wild were not going to be good this year at all. <laughs> and they are top three in a. They're top three in the, in the division, and they've played a lot of games against Vegas and Colorado. So i got to give them credit for that. Sure. I like it. Former Caps assistant coach, Greg, who do you got? Yeah, real quick, because uh, I, I know, Adam, you're uh, you're, you're ready ready to go. Um, I, I, you know, I'll go off the board in the sense of if they're, if every NHL team, you know, if every NHL coach all of a sudden was a free agent – the guy that I think the most teams would be interested in is, frankly, Barry Trotz. And I think that this has been maybe Barry Trotz's best year as a coach, uh, or one of them. He That team does not necessarily have a ton of talent. They just lost Anders Lee. Last year, they lost one of their best defensemen to free agency in, in Devon Taves. And, uh, yeah, like, I, they're, I mean, they're a 55-plus expected goal team with basically, like, a roster full of fourth-line players. And it's just been, it's been pretty impressive to watch them. So uh, I think I think Tross is probably my pick. Nope, sure. that's a that's that's a fair pick. And yes, yeah, sorry, that's uh, <laughs> trying to move Trump. the stick along here as we're over an hour. Uh, who, do you guys have any interesting picks for the Selkie? Starting with you, Greg. Ah, uh, Barkov. I'll, I'll I'll keep this short. I think I mean he's gotten a lot of their tough defensive assignments here. The Florida Panthers are one of the best defensive teams in hockey, and uh, he's kind of at the forefront of it. So Barkov is my pick for sure. What about you, Corey? Yeah, I'll just echo him there. Because, oh, animus sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also am not, like, prepared for, like, selfie discussion for whatever reason. <laughs> oh, Erickson Eck uh, for Minnesota is the other guy here come up a lot in that category. Interestingly, for the Capitals' SB Nation mock draft, like, six years ago or whatever, he was the guy I picked for them, mainly because he was the top guy left on the board. <laughs> Who did the Caps take in that draft, Adam? I actually don't remember which year that uh, was. Was that Joe Hansen? Uh, well, that's the Caps' worst pick in the last ten years, so that would uh, that, that the shoe would fit. Um, this, of course, being Lucas Johansson, not yeah. uh, not not yeah. Yeah. Yes, not, not Mojo. Um, what do we got left? Oh, the Calder. Who do you have for the Calder, Greg? Kaprizov. 
Done. <laughs> yeah, there's not really any debate there at all. Stutzless had a good season, but Kaprizov has just been at another level. <laughs> yeah, he's been fantastic. I mean, truly must-watch hockey, which is something Minnesota has not had in uh, recent memory. I would say really since the Minnesota Wild were the Minnesota Wild, frankly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, was, oh, yeah, I just looked up here. They took instead of Eric's neck. It was Samsonov. Oh, okay. well, that 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 isn't as bad then because Samsonov has been a is, is a truly solid player for the Capitals, and uh, obviously he he's looked great over the last couple of weeks. Um, and and those are kind of our award picks, guys. Thank you for uh, for moving us along here and. And thanks for all of our listeners for sticking with us and, and finishing this bad boy up. Uh, Corey, why don't you tell our, our listeners where they can find your work, how they can support you, and continue to kind of get your insight on stuff. And, I mean, the more capital subscribe or listeners that subscribe to your stuff, I mean, the more we can probably get you on the podcast. Yeah, you can find you can find basically my home for everything at Shutdown Line on Twitter. There's a link there that has – that's got – there's a link there that will – Direct you right to my Patreon, my Substack. I just wrote a post today, a little hockey history post. Hopefully, people enjoy that. But everything is right there on my Twitter account. That's kind of just my hub for everything. I'm watching, tracking games every day, posting findings from them, posting stats, all the good stuff. So if you're into that, you know, give me a follow. Greg, uh, I mean, I don't know how many times you and I have done this now, prop probably got to be close to 50 or so episodes with the two of us, but why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? You can find uh, me at, at Greg Y underscore JR, and you can find my writing at uh, the lovely uh, japersrink.com. And I actually, I I can now say I have something up today and uh, that, that kind of looks at Kuznetsov and Ovechkin together. And uh, I will have something, uh, I'll have another edition of What Lies Beneath uh, This Weekend, which is my analytical deep dive into the Caps. Wow, and I like that you promised when it will be out too. This weekend, I was vague, so so at least I got I got a couple of days. <laughs> Smart man. Uh, well, how, about, how about you tell people, Adam, where where they can find you and uh, support this lovely show? Well, everyone can follow me on Twitter at stringhima. Um, please give the podcast a five star review on iTunes. Um, you know, make sure you mention Greg in your review. He loves it. <laughs> and. We'll be sure to kind of uh, keep you guys going forward as the season is going. So it's been it's been fun. Corey, thanks again for your time. We really appreciate it. I mean, no one watches more hockey than you um, anywhere. So so thank you for again for your time and your insight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun doing. I always love doing this. 